90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? I mean, somewhat sad in terms of science, I feel like. Yeah, it's been a been a rough week. Yeah, it really has. I mean, I'm sure lots of listeners are following the Arecibo, you know, debacle, and it finally collapsed, and that's just, I don't know. It's so sad. It's one of those things where, yeah, it, uh, it would take a lot of money to get it back to a prime state uh, before the disaster even. Mm-hmm, yeah. But it's one of those sites that's made such a significant contribution and uh, to, to the whole field. Exactly. And to and, public's awareness. Yes, correct. And to like be located in a place like Puerto Rico, where it's not necessarily, you know, that's not where you would think of this million, millions of dollar research to like bring a spotlight to that area too, you know, and then to lose it. It's, it's so sad. Right, and so there had been some damage. Uh, Its future was uncertain. And then, yes, this week there was uh, some of the wires supporting the observation platform above the dish broke. It fell through the dish. The towers collapsed. Man, it's done. Oh, yeah, so sad. I mean, it was even the the morning that it happened, so December 1st is when the the rest of it collapsed and the whole dish is done now. The little blurb in nature was only like a paragraph long, and it just made it even more stark, like the loss to science that it's not coming back. Like, no way. Right, though, you know, there is, uh, I'm going to say serendipitous timing of uh, they were using a drone. I don't, it looked like to me they were checking cables Mm -hmm. with the drone because it was right in the area of the cables, and it happened to see. Like you see a ping, ping, ding, ding, ding. Like you see the cable start snapping. And so there's a drone oh. view of this collapse. Oh my gosh. I didn't see that. I just saw pictures. Oh, wow. So there are the security cameras from the site. Uh, but yeah, then there's this drone and it's actually right up by one of the cable moorings. And you start seeing individual strands of the cable breaking loose. Oh man. And then you're like, drone, get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's terrible. But... Yeah, that was unfortunate, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even it had been featured in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah, I know. Everybody's like, contact, contact, and I don't want to mock it because, I mean, I love that movie. I've read that book several times. Super great. Right. So, so yeah, so that's kind of sad. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are a lot of facilities that, uh, for those not into history of science, that have just vanished. My magnetometer oh. lab, it's, it's, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like not everything can be Lowell Observatory, right? Right, yeah. So, mm-hmm. which is, so it, if you haven't been, you know, it's very well kept. There's, you know, hundreds of year old telescopes that you can actually walk up and use and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, think of how much stuff has just, yeah, gone away entirely. It's, um, it's the end of an era and it's very sad. It's true, and I'm. It, there was a Radiolab episode years ago now about this, uh, and I'm very much in the the first category here of people that 
seeing or actually touching an object uh, brings you a lot of memory or emotion associated with that Mm -hmm. versus people that can look at a picture of the same thing and for them it's the same as actually seeing or touching it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, And so for me, like seeing the telescope that did this or seeing, you know, the Uh, thing that did this to me like i really like that that's important Mm -hmm. um and the example they used in the show was they took a person from each of these categories and went to the smithsonian and they were allowed to hold (gasps) one of the flags that was on apollo 11 oh wow and yeah it was it was a very different experience like one person goes it's just a flag like, no effect at all. I and mean, the other person was just, I can't believe I'm holding this. I can't believe I'm touching this. This is a piece of history. So yeah, there oh, are different wow. camps in this. That's very, wow. I'm going to have to look up that episode. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, and, you know, this is sort of one of those things of, like, getting to go. You know, I've been in some of the early atomic reactors. Mm-hmm. And those are amazing to go in for me but but a lot of people didn't care (laughs) well i mean that's where you got your third arm that's why you can do so much work right (laughs) it's true yes (laughs) oh i think we all need need a third arm and (laughs) a bunch of laughter at the end of this ridiculous year right (laughs) it's true uh and you know so we were uh we talked about in the the precursor to a couple of episodes ago, because we, we've been recording some of these interviews a little bit out of order, uh, that I'd been in the field mm-hmm. and doing some work in Nevada. And while we were there, working furiously with all three arms... <laughs> so handy. Uh, we actually encountered a pretty cool little meteorological phenomena that I thought would make a fun, probably pretty short discussion, but a neat discussion nonetheless. Uh, UFO? <laughs> No, we weren't in that part of Nevada. <laughs> That's all in Nevada, dude. <laughs> I've been there. All of it's like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got to um, experience a haboob. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, uh, it was, this is a real thing, people. <laughs> it is. You could just call it a dust storm, but the word haboob is a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, obviously it's an Arabic word because this is where these things originated from because they're much more common there, but anywhere that you have, you know, not vegetated places and you can get some intense, you know, downslope winds, you can get haboobs. Right. Uh, and I would say pretty much anywhere that you've got, yeah, a lot of dry land and the potential for thunderstorms, you're, you're going to get these uh, at one time or another. We've had some in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, the uh, the worst one that I experienced was actually in Kansas. It was in Goodland, Kansas. And it was funny because it was during a meteorological field campaign, not to look at haboobs, to look at tornadoes. Um, but it was un believable i mean i've been in one in nevada as well but it was much smaller so it's it's really intense <laughs> it is and i expected this one you know i got on the the radio to the folks i was working with i was like we need to get to the site uh <laughs> and then wait <laughs> uh and the winds weren't as high 
as I had expected with it, but they can really range, you know, 20 to 60, 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So could you, so you, I'm guessing that you could see it coming is why. Oh, you... for, mm-hmm. for 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, we saw it way out there and they said, well, how long will it be here? I was like, eh, not, not terribly long because it's moving pretty fast. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole y- You can look at the front of it and go, oh, that house disappeared. Oh, that's awesome. So when you see these things, it's weird because, you know, when you're when you're watching weather roll in, you're looking at these dark clouds that are up in the sky, and it's just like the mirror image of that. So they're kind of, you know, gravity currents, essentially. It's like a turbidite in the air. Air acts as a fluid. And so it's on the ground. And you're like, man, what's what's messed up about that horizon? And it took me, like, the one that we experienced in Kansas. It was pretty far off, and obviously it's – western kansas so you could see for a long ways um and so we had a good half an hour before it got there but it just looked like an inverted thunderstorm it was this you know brownish black cloud on the ground coming at you it was so strange they really are and you know fortunately for us in uh, in times of covid we all had masks on uh, thank god <laughs> it was very dusty uh-huh yeah they're um they can uh just like you said, they can be up to 70 miles an hour. The, and the one that we were in in Kansas was absolutely dangerous. Like, you could not be outside in it. It did a lot of damage, actually, as it ran, as it came through town. Um, it took down a whole bunch of hotel signs and stuff like that. Um, it messed up the um, the awning on the hotel we were in. Because, of course, we tried to stay out as long as we could, right? And it... Right. I mean, it feels like you're inside a sandblaster. Like, it could peel your skin off. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, did, did you guys get stuck in it? Like, Oh, we were waiting out there and we probably waited for half an hour or so for the most intense part. And then it was still very dusty, but we needed to visit a few more sites before sundown. Uh, so we just ran out and did our, did our work really quick. I've used a can of compressed air to clean out my laptop keyboard. Oh, <laughs> gross. And you created a little mini haboob with all the stuff that yeah. was in it. <laughs> Oh. So that was that was fun. Uh, you know, I was doing some some research on these. Uh, I knew the basic premise behind them, and I found an article from NOAA where they're touting, "Look at the new Ghost uh, series satellites. We can use this. They have a dust composite image okay. using a few bands, and they were tracking haboobs with it. Oh, that's uh, cool. But here is the importance of technical proofreading." <laughs> Okay, uh, because haboobs can form walls of dust that sometimes reach thousands of miles high and move okay. very quickly, haboobs can be dangerous. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to say thousands of feet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're big, <laughs> but they're not thousands of miles high. <laughs> they're not experienced in... Uh, you know, orbit. Uh, yeah, gravity current. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm supposed to be saying density current. That's what I'm saying. Gravity flow, density current. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> oops. That's great. These are so cool. I was really shocked that we actually hadn't talked about them before. It's true. And so I thought, you know, we could talk about, too, since they do commonly form from dissipating stage of thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've actually ever formally talked about there are three stages of thunderstorm development. Wow, we haven't talked about that too. Are we gonna 
blow it all on this one episode or <laughs> yeah so because it's not a terribly complicated idea right yeah, but first really you have good. thunderstorms that are in the the growing stage mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. they're dominated by updrafts they're not precipitating they're kind of scattered cumulus clouds they're not really developed or formed and they're not that high in the atmosphere yet mm-hmm. definitely not thousands of miles Definitely not thousands of miles. Uh, and then, so what's next? Um, it, well, so are we talking about the growth phase and then the part where it starts to actually do fun thunderstorm stuff? So you, once you've sucked up all this air and you've grown, now you start to precipitate out that air. And I guess that's when you can get all the, you know, real fun stuff that can happen. But it's still in its mature phase, so it's not dying yet. So it's still got some updraft, but we're starting to develop downdrafts too. Right, and when you get a lot of wind shear that separates those updrafts and downdrafts, that's when you get these really long-lived supercell-type storms. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So that that stage can, depending on the type of thunderstorm, which is probably a whole other show, yeah, can last lots of different amounts of time. And then you get to the dissipating stage. <laughs> I'm the worst professor, or the best if you're a 12-year-old boy, um, because I always say, well, you know, it's all gone up, so now it's just got to poop all its air out <laughs> as it's dying. <laughs> but that's what's right. happening, right? I mean, as it's dissipating, and that exhalation of air can get pretty intense. It can, because you start getting cold air, that starts sinking and is continuously mm-hmm. accelerating because of the environmental lapse rate around it. Yeah. Uh, and it hits the ground really hard. And that is in some times, in some cases, what kicks up all this dust and dirt and stuff into the atmosphere. And you get this expanding cold pool beneath the storm. That, like you said, is just like a density current in the mm-hmm. ocean or a turbidite. Uh, it is a density current. It's just cold air versus warm air. Right. And when you're in places like Nevada or... In some times of the year, western Kansas, there's not a lot of moisture that goes along with this stage because you've already evaporated everything out. And so it's really just a big whoosh of air. And you have all this, you know, desert sediment or drought conditions or whatever. And that's where you start to, um, yeah, create these sometimes very fast-moving density currents, which you can actually see on radar, which is fun. <laughs> you can, and they're generally more intense in the direction the storm is moving. Uh, mm-hmm. One, because you have that added momentum. Right, uh, yeah. But two, because you just rained on everything behind it, and you're not going to kick up that much dust. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you want to kick up the stuff that's not um, being weighed down. And some of this stuff isn't just dust. Some of it can be, you know, like tons of bugs and everything too. Like you'll see this um, out in front of some dissipating storms, those little reflections on radar. And some, sometimes it's birds or bugs or anything, depending on how uh, intense that current is. Yeah. And, you know, I actually saw... Uh, a very interesting, and I'm, I'm going to send it to you. We're going to do live meteorology. Oh, no. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> always works out poorly for me. <laughs> well, I don't know what the cause of this is. 
but it's one of, so we would call that like a, the meteorologist term for that's funny, which is a boundary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking on radar. Uh, let's see. When was this? This was a week or more ago now. Uh, over by oh. Muskogee Fort Gibson. And there's one of these boundaries. It's a big cold air current racing out ahead of a dissipating squall line. And the shape of it in both the velocity and the reflection map is sinusoidal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, man. It's like I want to say that's like some artifact, but it's not. No, it's not. That's it's not a processing not an artifact. artifact. It's the way it's... Man, it, it aren't is, waves cool? Waves are cool. Like Waves are cool. They're everywhere. The, um, and this has nothing everywhere. to do with it, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it kind of reminded me of the, and I believe we've talked about the effect, even the Gibbs-Morangini effect. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. Yep. It, it, it kind of reminded me of that shape-wise. Yeah, especially uh, in that velocity image. That's, wow. That's super cool. And if we were close to the mountains, it's easy to blame it on mountains, but we're not. Uh, we're in Muskogee, Oklahoma, in this radar image. I mean, there's sort of sort of some hills over there. Yeah, east of Muskogee. <laughs> uh, yeah, east on the other side. You're right. Um, this just shows when you get these. I mean, we can still get lots of mountain effects here in Oklahoma, but yeah, usually not on this east side. Gosh, that's so cool. Um, the more that we do this show, the more interested I get in fluid dynamics, and I wish that I would have paid more attention in actual dynamics class. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, look, that looks like, that could be like a train of, you know, wave crests. That's what that shape is. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at right now some of those goes images of Haboobs, and this actually looks like a, probably a Southern California region and i'm seeing a similar shape on the front of it so it's got to be some very very interesting like you said fluid dynamics flow between a boundary yeah some kind of weird density it probably has the word taylor or reynolds by it <laughs> i always like to throw the word kelvin in there too just in case right <laughs> um yeah man that's so weird but it's weird to th look at this one because you you would think you would see that shape in the z direction not necessarily in this x y direction that's yeah, yeah it actually does sort of look like a kelvin helmholtz wave but laid yeah. down yeah but laid down yeah why is it why is it horizontal hmm like are those a bunch of tiny little vorticity rolls like that's so and then you just get interaction between them all but there aren't like discrete cells causing that yeah no and yeah that's where cool it actually picture. is like that is because of it's it's south of all the the main reflectivity so yeah Huh. That is. But, that's interesting. So, piece two of meteorological trivia. Uh oh. What are the origins of the word haboob? Okay, so. Other than being Arabic. I know it's Arabic. And, um. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's so, that's hab is uh -huh. Arabic for mm -hmm. to blow or strong wind. Ah, okay, great. There you go. Yeah, so there you go. I, I learned something uh, something when I was looking that up before we did this show. But these are really cool. This is probably the second or third one that I've seen. 
Mm -hmm. uh, all during field work, of course. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the one of the last times that I was doing field work in Nevada, it was the same thing. Um, it was real classic. So we were, uh, we were north of Las, south of Las Vegas. No, north of Las Vegas. Um, and we're on the side of the mountain. And literally my students like, um, could you come over here and look at this? I'm like, okay, thinking it's some cool rock thing. And like, it just we round this, you know, big cliff corner and he's like, uh, should we worry about that? And you could see nothing. Like you couldn't see anything. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said, uh, pull that site that we're, uh, working on right now and let's get to the car. Cause we were like, I don't know, two clicks away from the car. <laughs> I'm like, um, you can't see anything. We need to go. <laughs> and it, it wasn't as bad as it looked, <laughs> but it was, super cool i mean literally it was really cool after it passed through um which helped because it's well i'm not gonna say it helped because it actually snowed on us two days later <laughs> so <laughs> it was already chilly in the first place but the one that i was in in kansas like i'll never forget that like i've never been in something that is reminiscent of the things you read about the dust bowl and yeah, this, this was like, I remember seeing that hotel sign and like watching and I'm with, you know, we're on, um, we were on a mission called steps and it was looking at, um, electrified thunderstorms and we were driving the little, you know, vortex cars with all the stuff on top of them. And, um, so it's, I'm stuck there with 50 meteorologists. <laughs> so it was, you know, the best way to encounter something like this. And it was in extremely intense and like i said we kept you know you run out there no you run out there and it's like the last time we run out there and all of us are like okay we can't see or feel anything that was dumb right <laughs> but, <laughs> but like to think about like this is what happened all the time during the dust bowl it was very intense and just that feeling of like watching it come at you and you know it's going to get there eventually but it's just you know stalking you on the horizon and you see these things all through the West. This happened in Phoenix and Southern California, like you said, all the time. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, not all the time, right? There's like seasons for them. Yeah. And actually, you know, November is a pretty common time mm, There you go. for these to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you get these little, this is, we have talked about this, um, those little monsoonal thunderstorms out there in this time too, around Arizona that can produce pretty good gust fronts as they deflate and this one was interesting because you know normally you would get the dust storm and then the line of precipitation would get to you very shortly mm -hmm. uh, in this case it was not long before sundown and after the sun goes down we actually had the the storms were retreating back westward they're retrograding oh and then Weird. before sun up the next morning they started <gasps> going back east across the territory again so it was probably eight hours between the actual haboob and the rain. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah, it was pretty strange. Uh, I mean, we, we see that sometimes, especially, you know, in Oklahoma in the spring, you can watch the dry line just seesaw back and forth over more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. That is true. That's cool, though, to be right there on it and be like, oh, oops. Hmm. Yeah. Well, how fun. Yeah. And now, as you like to say, 
for something totally different. <laughs> it's time for this week's Fun Paper Friday. Yay. So we just had to talk about this, right? Everybody's talking about this. Uh, yes. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Platypie glow in the dark. <laughs> yes. And uh, this was sent in by listener Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. <laughs> uh, by Ann and Chet All. And yes, they they pretty much uh, photographed, uh, archived platypus carcasses in yeah. normal light and UV reflected and UV emitted. Um, <laughs> so what I love is this <laughs> tries to hype up and it's like it's the first known um, instance of biofluorescence in monotremes. How many monotremes are there? <laughs> right? Like four? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really had to look up, like, other monotremes besides, like, I don't know, echidnas or whatever. Um. I, I'm going to be honest. I had to look up a lot of things in this paper because... Oh, really? <laughs> biology is one of those things that I just didn't... Oh. See? Didn't retain a lot of information from. And that's what I attain, retained all of my information from. <laughs> so uh, I had to look up some, you know, from previous. I mean, including, you know, <laughs> monotreme. It's like, I know I know that word. Oh, yeah. But I Egg don't lane. remember what else. <laughs> Egg-laying mammals, man. Because right. how weird is that? Like I said, I only knew of platypi and echidnas and... I am loath to admit that the echidna wormhole was after playing and reading Sonic the Hedgehog comic books. but <laughs> And I, I did look it up. As you say, you don't know of any others. So the only current extant monotremes are those two. Oh, see? Well, that makes yep. me feel less dumb. Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, what other ones are there? <laughs> there are four species of echidna. Okay, great. <laughs> But yes, four species of echidna and a platypus, and that so this, are, those are the it, only monotremes. This makes it even funnier then. <laughs> like right. of these two animals, <laughs> it's the only known existence of one of them. And I want to see them do this in real life. Like, and I thought this was a an actual like very relevant point that they brought up. Is like, is this true for living? platypi or is it just these museum carcasses and they said they eliminated it being museum carcasses because they examined carcasses from different museums you know so yeah they wouldn't have the same treatments or whatever on them i know i don't know that that solves the problem i didn't think it did either and also like how hard is it to get a platypus like there's lots of research being done on them right i don't i don't know yeah I mean, I know they got those spines on their butts and shouldn't get near them. <laughs> right. Uh, also, <laughs> I was distracted by the reference to water opossums <laughs> in this paper. I had to look that up. <laughs> I'm like, is that just, it's just a possum that sort of likes water. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's, the name is exactly what you get right there. <laughs> um, but they're super weird looking, though. They are. When I when I first read that, I was like, "Well, we have to have those here in Arkansas because we have everything else like that." Uh, yeah, I would have I would have suspected that as well. Mm-hmm. But you don't. These are much cuter than regular 
possums. <laughs> I mean, right. sometimes little baby possums can be cute. These are super cute. They're like striped. They like lemur looking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're real weird um i had a, a yeah several minutes of looking at water possum pictures <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, uh yeah so this is funny and this is clearly an instance of we found this out and we're gonna write it up before anyone else writes it up because we have no idea what it means or anything here's just this short note that says platypi fluoresce under dark light <laughs> Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting... Well, they said there had been a flying squirrel species mm-hmm. that, that yep. had been observed to do this and a few others. Uh, I almost wonder if it's like the uh, the nature's equivalent of a high-vis vest. Yes, uh, yeah. So, like, especially when you talk about the flying squirrel, like, so other flying squirrels don't run into them when they're doing this at night. Is that why? I mean, and the right. same thing, you know, platypuses are along the banks of rivers and stuff like that. Do they do this because they're active at night? And yeah, it's gotta be right. Uh, that, that was my first thought was, you know, safety that's, first. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't know why the flying squirrels need it. Cause it's the platypuses that have spines on their butts, but right. <laughs> I think it's just the girls though. Not, not all of them. So it's actually, yeah, a few of these, place. they were talking about the, uh, the, the spines on the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hmm. Thanks, Daryl. That was illuminating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was terrible. You're welcome. I don't want you to be the sole proprietor of dumb dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have collected data on any fluorescing monotremes <laughs> or other species... We would love to hear about it. Shannon, where can they send their UV light reflectance or fluorescent spectra taken with an Ocean Optics DH2000BAL deuterium light source? <laughs> only that, only to a show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, please, for the love of God, tweet us that at don't panic geo john is at geo underscore lehman i am at shannon doolin um if you'd like to support us on patreon and keep these glowing platypi coming your way you can do so uh don't panic or it's uh, patreon.com slash don't panic geo and even though biologists wonder how we're still an extant species (laughs) every time we say it until next week remember don't panic it's not an exact science Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.